Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. At our house, uh, in our dining room, my wife Molly and I uh, eat most of our meals at a round table. It's about, it's about this wide. It's about four feet across. And there's just two of us, so that's, that's big enough. And when our daughters, Julie and Laura, were at home, uh, so four of us, it was still big enough. But these days, when uh, the girls come home and when Julia brings her boyfriend, Chris, now we have to add a leaf to that table. And at the holidays, when the family comes, we have to add two leaves. And uh, if we have a dinner party with neighbors, we uh, add three leaves. Uh, we bought this table at a garage sale a long time ago. It came with six leaves. But the most we've ever put in are four, because if we extend the table any further, it, it won't fit in the room anymore. Yeah. Some of you might have that problem at your house, too. So in this, this reading we just heard from Luke uh, chapter 14, Jesus tells a story about extending the table. And of course, he's talking about a longer table. And he's talking about a room the size of the whole wide world. Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. Now, it's pretty clear as he tells this story that, that Jesus and, and the ones listening to him have in mind um, the earlier reading we heard. They have in mind the vision of the prophet Isaiah from Isaiah 25. Susan read it at the beginning of the service. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a feast for all peoples. It's a wondrous vision. Isaiah can foresee a time. He can foresee a future, a table where everyone will be welcome and everyone will have enough. No one left out, no one left hungry. And it's a compelling vision, uh, at least in part, because even now, it has not yet come true. It's not even true around some of the tables in our own homes. At the holidays, some of us are going to have a hard time sitting around a table with relatives because these questions about whether to get a, a vaccine, whether to wear a mask, have proved to be very divisive in our families. And you only have to look out at the streets of Portland or follow the news of Afghanistan, places like Haiti, to know that there are many people who simply just don't have enough to eat. And so we have this vision of a great feast, and if, if, if you take a moment, you can almost smell it. You can almost hear it. You can almost feel it. But we live with hunger. Hunger in our bodies, hunger in our souls for what we need, for what we long for, and what we don't yet have. Well, in the story that Jesus tells in Luke 14, uh, he hints at why that vision has not yet come true on earth as in heaven. Someone gave a great dinner, but when the food's ready, guests begin to send regrets. And one says, I bought a piece of land. And, you know, business is business. This can't wait. And another said, I just bought a team of oxen and time's money. I got to go. And the third, the third's actually a little bit racy. Uh, he says, uh, I just got married and, you know, I'm going to be a little busy, if you know what I mean. Our lives are full of other things. Uh, not necessarily bad things, but their lives were full enough to miss out on this great dinner. Our lives can get pretty full, too. There's a lot for us to fill up on these days, plenty to fill our bodies. I mean, you can go to Costco and buy nacho cheese sauce by the gallon. You can get on your phone and have the Uber Eats app 
send you chalupas from Taco Bell to your door. And you might realize that on Thursday when I was writing this, I was really hungry for Mexican food. So uh, I had a burrito that night for dinner, and it was really good. Uh, plenty to fill our bodies, plenty to fill our time, too. We can spend hours on TikTok. I mean, not me, because I'm a 62-year-old guy, but I heard people can spend hours on TikTok. We can spend days been watching shows on Netflix. Again, not necessarily bad, although there do seem to be a lot of empty calories in our cultural diet. But if we're not careful, we can end up uh, being overfed but undernourished. And the thing is, it doesn't just impact us. Most of us here, uh, we have all we need and much, much more. But often that excess comes at the expense of others, comes at the expense of low wages for workers in the field, the folks who are bringing food to our stores, our markets, our tables, comes at the expense of dangerous conditions for people who are mining precious metals that we need for our technology devices, comes at the expense of climate change that disproportionately impacts people who are poor. And so this wondrous vision that Isaiah can foresee, that Jesus describes, has been elusive. But in this parable, Jesus tells, the host of the party won't take no for an answer. I mean, if some choose not to come, well, okay. I mean, they're the ones missing out, and it makes the host a little angry, that's clear. But then the host extends the invitation to others. Pretty common in that culture at that time. What's uncommon is that the host extends the invitation to anyone and to everyone. Go out into the streets and lanes and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. When that's still not enough, go out onto the roads and lanes, the highways and the byways, and urge people to come in so that my house may be filled. Again, when Jesus tells this story, everyone knows that he's not just talking about a dinner party. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And the unmistakable point is that everyone is welcome. People like most of us, people who are wealthy and powerful, people with more than enough, and people who are poor and powerless and marginalized and invisible, barely getting by. God extends the table so that there's room for everyone. And God continues then to push toward that future that Isaiah could foresee. Everyone, welcome in the beloved community. The only thing that's necessary, the only thing that's required, the only thing you need to know is that you're hungry. Hungry, hungry for food in our bodies, for hope in our souls, and for justice in our cities. Hungry for the loving kindness of God that's at the center point of all creation. Hungry for the mercy and the compassion and the wholeness that Jesus embodied. Hungry for the gifts of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness that the Spirit can plant in us. The way Jesus tells it, if you're hungry... There's always a place for you in God's beloved community. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Now, on a shelf in, in our dining room, uh, we have a cookbook, and I bet some of you have it on your shelf, too. It's called Extending the Table, a World Community Cookbook. It was published by Herald Press in, uh, in 1991, and it uh, followed an earlier volume. I bet some of you have this one, too, the More With Less Cookbook. Uh, this was one of my first introductions uh, to Mennonites, and uh, ours is very well worn. And then there was a third cookbook that finished the trilogy that came out later after those two, Simply in Season, uh, written by uh, one of the co-writers is Kathleen Hockman Word, which some of us know because she's part of the Corvallis Mennonite Church. And uh, this book, by the way, has, has the only recipe in existence 
that includes beets that I like. There's a chocolate cake in here. It's called Surprise Chocolate Cake. And uh, surprise, the surprise is it has beets in it. That's the only recipe I like with beets in it. But in extending the table, in the section on bread, there's a, a quote by Meister Eckhart, who was a medieval German mystic. Here's what he said. There's no such thing as my bread. All bread is ours and is given to me, to others through me, and to me through others. For not only bread, but all things necessary for sustenance in this life are given on loan to us with others, and because of others, and for others, and to others through us. There is no such thing as my bread. For us to live into the vision of Isaiah, for us to be part of this beloved community that Jesus promised, we have been taught to pray, give us today our daily bread. Our bread, because that's the bread of life, given by God, given to us through others, and given to others through us. That's how the table is extended. Now, honestly, I tend to skip to the last part, bread given to others through us. I skip ahead to what I can do to help others because I'm pretty wealthy. Frankly, all of us here are pretty wealthy compared to everyone else in the world. And I'm a pretty good person and I want to be compassionate and I want to help the less fortunate. The thing is, that kind of charity can end up being transactional, but not transformational. When we give to MCC, when I give to MCC, I just put a check from my coins account. It's a $100 check. I imagine I've pretty much done my part, haven't I? Isn't that enough? Now I can go on with my life the way it always was, can't I? When there's no engagement, when there's no mutuality, when there's no sharing, when there's no learning, there's also no chance for transformation. Not the kind that's going to help us to live into Isaiah's vision. The bread we pray for is our bread. And so it's necessary and it's important and it's life-giving, life-changing to accept and learn and be grateful for the gifts of of wisdom, of truth-telling, of sustenance, of beauty, of faith, of clarity that are given to us through others. So how do we, we who are used to being the givers, how do we adopt a posture of receptivity? Well, we're talking about food, so one easy way is just to eat at restaurants and food carts that are owned by people of color and people from other communities. But we're also talking about what feeds our bodies, what feeds our souls and our minds. So think about the books that you're reading. Think about the podcasts that you're listening to. Think about the films that you're watching. How can we listen more widely to the stories and the wisdom and the truth that people have to offer to us? How can we find our place at the table that others have extended for us? And then, because it's our bread, how do we extend that table for others? Well, there's plenty of things that we can do. Good things, helpful things, necessary things. We can share produce with neighbors. We can prepare a meal, take a meal to a coworker who needs it. Here locally, we can, we can buy the Street Roots newspaper right after the service. We can volunteer at Night Strike. We can support Family Promise around the world. We can, we can give school kits that MCC will deliver. We can make sure my coins count. Uh, we can bid up the auction for the Oregon Mennonite Festival for World Relief. But deeper than our actions, I also hear a call to to recalibrate our notion of ownership. If it's our bread, then then I need to rethink what I imagine to be mine. 
St. Gregory the Great, this was back in, in the 6th century or so, St. Gregory the Great wrote, when we attend to the needs of those in want, we give them what is theirs, not what is ours. More than performing works of mercy, we are paying a debt of justice. Well, that sounds a little like what Meister Eckhart uh, said, uh, we read earlier. There's no such thing as my bread. All bread is ours. I find that idea of recalibrating my notion of ownership to be very challenging. But when we can start to do it, then we start to move beyond transactions to transformation. Then we start to move toward Isaiah's vision. Then we start to move toward the beloved community that Jesus promises is possible. There is no such thing as my bread. I want to end with this story. It's an old story. It's a story about a, a devout Jew named Jacoby. Jacoby was a refugee from Spain. He went to live in the Holy Land. He didn't speak Hebrew, but he went to the synagogue every Sabbath. And one Sabbath in the sermon, the rabbi was talking about the story where 12 loaves of bread are brought for God. And Jacoby understood enough to hear God and bread. And he got excited. And he went home and he told his wife, God eats bread. So he asked her to bake her best bread. She did. And he took 12 loaves of it to the synagogue. And he went up to the front and he put it in the ark. Well, no sooner had Jacoby left than in walked the shamus. The shamus was the one who um, took care of the grounds, who cleaned the synagogue. The shamus was poor. And as he cleaned, he prayed. He needed bread for his family. He needed a miracle. And he got to the ark and he opened it. And there was bread. And he took it home and he fed his family. Well, this went on the next week and the week after and the week after. This went on for years. Jacoby's wife would bake bread. He would bring it, put it in the ark at the synagogue. The shamus would come, clean, pray, find bread, take it home, feed his family. And both grew in their faith in God. Then one day, Jacoby brought the bread. And just as he was putting it in the ark, the rabbi came in. And he asked him, what are you doing? And Jacoby said, I brought bread for God. And the, and the rabbi said, God doesn't eat bread. And Jacoby replied, well, he's been eating my wife's bread for years now. <laughs> and then they heard a noise, and so they shuffled off to a, 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 a dark place in the synagogue. And sure enough, in walked the shamus. And he was cleaning, and he was praying. And we got to the ark, he started to take the bread out. And at that point, the rabbi grabbed him by the shoulder, and he told both of them that what they were doing was sinful. Well, at that point, Rabbi Isaac, an older and a wiser rabbi, came in, and he said, no, these men are not sinful. They are devout. And God takes great pleasure in what they've been doing all these years. One man brings bread, the other man takes bread, and God gets all the credit. And then Rabbi Isaac said to Jacoby, now you must do something even harder. You must take your bread, and you must give it directly to the shamus, and when you do, you must believe with perfect faith that you are giving it to God. Now that sounds like something another rabbi, Rabbi Jesus, once said in Matthew 25. To the ones who fed the hungry, who cared for the sick, who welcomed the stranger, the Son of Man will say, what you've done to the least of these, for part of my family, you have done unto me. That's how we extend the table, that God has set for us all.